0: Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now.
1: Good morning, Tucson, and welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here on this March the 25th. Happy Friday to you all out there. I am Jeff Dean, and we are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. And whether you've decided to listen on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, or if you're listening via the live stream, which can be found on ESPNTucson.com or via your Alexa-enabled device, I appreciate you guys tuning in here to the uh, the show. I know that... um, you know, look after uh, after a loss like that, the the entire town of Tucson is buzzing, and you probably wanted to get my opinions on that. And uh, I hope that uh, that uh, my my voice, the the uh, uh, what's left of it at least, uh, wasn't too much of a turnoff. And um, hopefully, I was able to provide you with some uh, with some information just again you know it wasn't any kind of inside information that i had and even if i did have it i you know wouldn't be really sharing that with with everyone um some things will probably come out over time of uh, some of the things that are that are going on there uh you know within, within the program or you know whatever have you but until uh, until those come to light then you know we'll just uh, we'll just keep going and we'll reminisce back to what a uh, what a wonderful season this was you know Arizona was picked to to finish fourth in the conference this year by the media they were unranked by the uh, by the AP again two things that I couldn't care less about to be honest with you and neither should you <laughs> because uh, the media doesn't choose the participants in the NCAA tournament nor do they tell you anything about how good a team is or how bad a team is remember, Oregon State was picked to finish fifth by the media in the conference, and they won three games this year. Not three games in conference; they won three games this year total. They were three and twenty-seven. So, uh, again, if you're if you're if you're listening to the media and, and getting you know the information, I know that I'm probably burying myself here because I am technically a member of the media. Uh, if you're if you're listening to the media to get your information and, and to, to to tell you what your eyes should be telling you, uh, then you know you're going to be led astray in uh, in many cases. But um, you know, unfortunately, you know that's the outlet for most of us. You know, for, for you know for most of you guys, that's your outlet. You only have the media to kind of help you along here, and you're you're, you're relying on us to give you truthful and and educated information, um, which is why I'm going to I will always try my best to get that to you. Now. Educated information. If you look at my bracket, there's nothing educated about it. I mean, it's the worst bracket that you'll you'll probably see. Um, <laughs> you know, and I and I did pick Arizona to win the game last night. I picked Gonzaga to win by double digits last night. Um, what else did I get wrong? I, I had, at least I had Duke. I did have Duke winning the game uh, last night, so I got that one right. And I think I picked Villanova right, didn't I? I think I. I'm pretty sure I picked Villanova to win. That. I would not have picked Michigan to win that game. So. Uh, Hopefully I did pick Villanova to win that game on the air last night. I picked him to win in my bracket, but uh, they weren't playing uh, Michigan. So, uh, look, the, you know, the, the season is ended. It's a successful season. There's plenty to build on. There's plenty to be excited about, and I hope that fans continue to bring that fire with them next season. You know, this is uh, this is a coaching staff that is hopefully going to stick together um, I hope that, that coaches don't get poached from this uh from this staff. You know, Murph, you know, there's always the, the potential for Murph to get a job somewhere, you know, and I love I love Jack Murphy. Uh he is a a integral part of this program. And as the associate head coach here, he was he was associate head coach under Sean. He's the associate head coach under Tommy, he's uh one of the big recruiters overseas. He has been doing that for years. Um, he is a an absolute, you know. He's 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 a film rat. Like he, he just watches so much film, uh, you know. And sitting as close to the Arizona bench as I do, and being in practices and things like that, you can hear Jack screaming th- stuff out to the you know to the players, getting them lined up for you know for defensive sets when he realizes what a team is going to, about to do on offense. And I'm telling you right now, nine times out of ten, he is 100 percent correct. Like I mean, he's he is that dialed in when it comes to recognizing the things. After all of his film study, he's an integral part of this program, and I hope that we're able to keep him for a long while longer. You know, I'd like to keep you know much much of the way Tommy was the associate head coach under Mark Few. You know, and he was assistant for twenty years. He was only he was the associate head coach for the last eight. Uh, you know, and and I uh, you know I hope I'm hoping that Arizona is able to retain Jack Murphy. Uh, that same way because he is he is so important to this to this program. As is Steve Robinson and his ability to you know to prepare the players in other ways that maybe these other younger coaches hadn't thought of yet and Ricardo Foyce coaching the bigs the way that he did this year uh I, I mean <laughs> I mean, if, if you if you ask any fan, any Arizona fan that watched this team this year and the team in previous years and you ask them what was the biggest improvement of the team, they say, well, oh, the front court play was incredible this year. Well, Ricardo Foyce is a big reason because of, for that because he has done his job, man, and, and uh, uh, the staff is tremendous. And I thought Ryan Anderson bringing in Ryan uh, as a GA this year was a tremendous move for this staff. He brings incredible energy to the team. Um, his his demeanor in practice is that of, you know, look, it, it's you know these games are fun and basketball is fun, but it's also hard work, and uh, and I like I like the, the the attitude that he brings. He's a he's a positive guy. He's a high energy guy, and he loves Arizona. So um, it's good to have him him back here as well, as well as all the other the rest of the staff and the people there, and of course you know the Emoy Brian Brigger what he does from the uh from the, the 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 athletic department as far as you know <laughs> the the managing of the equipment and the managers and all that stuff hey, look from top to bottom uh it is a class organization we've we've you'll hear me talk about Justin Kokoski on this show and just the job that he's done the fact that Kerr was even able to play is remarkable to me let alone uh you know the minutes that he played and chris rounds you know everybody talks about chris rounds <laughs> They talk about him in the NBA. They talk about Chris Rounds in the NBA. You hear Bill Walton talk about Chris Rounds. You hear me talk about him here. It, you know, it's it's it, it takes a village, right? It takes a village. It's not just about Tommy Lloyd and the five starters. Uh, you know, those are the guys that are in the spotlight. There are so many other people outside of that spotlight that make this that make this thing go. And uh, I, I I want to commend and thank all of them on an amazing season this year. I had the time of my life watching this team being there alongside this team you know unfortunately, I missed a, an entire month because of covid uh but uh, uh was able to uh to get to to fall in love with this team and I know tommy did too and tommy you know tommy's an emotional guy you know tommy's he's he you know he's uh he's a guy that uh, that has high highs and low lows and He's very emotional and he talks about love and he loves his players and he loves his team. And I think that's so important for a coach to express in this day and age. You know, I mean, people are much more in touch with their emotions now. They're much more open to sharing their emotions uh, in these days and age. And I think it's important that you let people know that you love them. And whether they're family, friends, players, you know, significant others, whatever have you. Um, it's important to you know to share that love. So uh, I thought Tommy did a great job putting his team together, galvanizing them. They ran into a buzzsaw last night, and that buzzsaw may end up cutting down the Nets in New Orleans in a couple of weeks. So we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on on all that. Or not, not a couple of weeks, in a week. Um, so we will uh, we will keep an eye, of course, on the progress of that particular team, and uh, we'll continue to cover uh, March Madness as it happens. Because you know, day hey, we got some games tonight too. You know, they started. Uh, they start this afternoon. You can hear them right here on ESPN Tucson. As you've got North Carolina, UCLA, Purdue versus Cinderella, the Saint Mary the Saint Peter's team uh, that just came out of nowhere. You've got Iowa State, Miami, and then you've got the final number one seed remaining in this tournament, Kansas. Uh, you know, interestingly enough, Kansas. They were you know they were seeded there in the Midwest, the number three overall seed. And I think a lot of people looked at that bracket and they were like, "That's the easy bracket." Um, it, it's certainly easy to say that now that the two, the three, the five, the six have all been eliminated. You know, only the four remains <clears throat> from the uh, from the single digit uh, uh, seeds in that particular uh, in that particular bracket. So, because you got the ten and eleven seed remaining there in the bottom half. So Kansas's road looks pretty good for them, you know, to get to the Final Four. I think if you know if you had Kansas in your Final Four, it's looking pretty good right now. But Providence is a pretty good team, well as well. They've got a uh, you know coach with a lot of moxie with Ed Cooley, and he kind of uh, took the the press conference by storm yesterday and had a good time with the media and is just kind of uh, loving his life there as the head coach of Providence. And they've got a big game today against Kansas. So we'll have all that for you on Monday. Of course, we'll break down. The Sweet Sixteen and then the Elite Eight games that are going to be occurring over the weekend as well. We'll have our Final Four set and uh, and ready for uh, for the following weekend. So, still plenty of basketball to be played. It's unfortunate that Arizona won't be a part of it, but uh, thankful for the season that was thirty three and four. Just absolutely amazing, and another another Pac twelve trophy, dual Pac twelve trophies, the regular season and the conference tournament trophy. And I, look, like, I know that some people were saying that they wish that Arizona had lost in the in the Pac twelve tournament. Because they were too cocky going into the NCAA tournament, I, I I don't share those sentiments. I don't think there's ever a good time to lose a basketball game. Like it just, if you lose, it's because you got you know you got beat, and nobody likes to get beat. And I don't I'm not saying that it won't change you know change your your attitude. It won't change your your outlook on things. Uh, certainly, getting beat can lose can lead to a losing streak, which you never want either. You know, again, these are emotional players, and you know, with with young players, if 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 I had my choice, I would rather have a collegiate team coming off of a win than coming off of a loss. NBA is different. Like, I mean, NBA's you know matchups and placement and stuff like that. If an NBA team's coming off of a loss, you like them to bounce back, depending on you know what team they're playing, uh, because a lot of times you know these professionals, they, you know, they obviously they take it seriously you know, you're, you're, you're playing for money and, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> you, you don't want to lose two in a row bouncing back in, in, you know, the, in the NBA where there's much more mature, uh, level of players, I'll, I'll, I'll you know, put that in asterisks. mature. Uh, but, uh, at the collegiate level, I'd much rather have a team that's winning than a team that's losing just, uh, just, just for mindset overall. Um, so I, I don't, I don't agree with, with that sentiment, um, uh, but again, there's no way to prove it one way or the other because Arizona didn't lose to UCLA in the championship game, and they have now lost in the NCAA tournament. So there's no way of telling: had they, you know, had they lost to UCLA, would they have lost to Right State? Don't know. It's a hypothetical. But you know, that's what we're here to discuss. And if you wanna, if you wanna drop me a a, a note or a message or you know a, a comment or an opinion or something like that, look, feel free to do so. You can go ahead and hit me up on Twitter at UAZ Voice. That's where you can you can hit me up there at UAZ Voice. Uh, again, you know, be respectful. I'm always respectful of others. I promised myself I wasn't going to go on Twitter last night because I knew the vitriol that was going to be out there. I knew the, the hate and the spewing uh, and the ridiculousness that, that is Twitter uh, would be ever so prevalent. And I broke my own little rule, and I did it anyways, and I got on Twitter last night, and I was about ready to punch about 14 people in the face. But I didn't comment. In fact, I uh, Twitter saved me. I'll, I'll put it that way. Twitter saved me last night. It really did. They have they installed some kind of like a. Are you sure you want to send this tweet? Like they they like a little like a little stop. I'm sure many of you have probably run right through this stop sign. Uh, but, but there was a little like a little note like, Are you sure you want to send this? Because we're trying to promote a healthy, you know, positive experience on Twitter. Blah 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 blah. And I was like. I'm not going to be mean tonight. In fact, I'm not even. I'm not even going to validate this person's tweet with a comment. I'm not even going to dignify their time with my time. So I just erased it, and I moved on with my life. And now I'm much better for it because now I don't have to worry about what other people are saying and piling on this person or piling on me or whatever. I mean, again, couldn't care less. But uh, just uh, be be mindful of what you're tweeting out there. And uh, again, if you want to, if you want to at me, that's fine. Um, just again, be respectful. That's that's all I ask. Really, you know, share your opinions. Be respectful. It's all good. I'm not disrespectful to you guys. Hopefully, I'm not disrespectful or condescending in any way. Um, if you're one of those people that I said you know is a miserable person because you feel like this this season is a is a total loss, uh, you know, uh, sorry about you. Uh, sorry if the truth hurts, but uh, that's the way it goes sometimes. Uh, so you know, like, you know. <sighs> The NCAA tournament always testy. It's always a difficult thing to predict, and I know that Arizona fans are also. You know, I just I just saw this morning um, that Arizona fans are like, oh, it's the same old same old for us. You know, uh, we go through the Pac-12, and then we get into the postseason where the whistles are different, and the game is called differently, and you know we we don't you know these teams don't advance as far. Look, there's there's plenty of cupcakes, and when I say cupcakes, I mean like teams that play. A softer style uh still in this tournament i mean there's there's still teams that are that are that are in this tournament that are just you know um they're not um they're not the rough and tumble team now I will say this normally the big twelve has been that way like the big twelve has been very you know very much a finesse type league however, the last two seasons of watching big twelve basketball i mean I even tweeted it out earlier this year I was watching a pack a big twelve game. And it was like, if there's no blood, there's not going to be a foul called. And I will say this, many of the officials that work in the Big 12 also work here in the Pac-12. So it's not just a Pac-12 thing. You know, The, the Pac-12 has, they do have you know a, a, a set of officials that work here and in the Mountain West and the West Coast Conference that call a softer style of game. But there's also some of the guys that work the Big 12 that are you know more of a harder style, and you can see that you can see the dynamic in the you know on on the court. And you sit there and you're looking at the three officials. You're like, okay, I know these two guys, and this guy I think you know is a guy we don't see too often here, and that's the guy that swallows his whistle. That's the guy that let, lets lets things go. Um, I'm not saying that the NCAA tournament isn't meant for a Pac-12 team, because you know you you have to conduct business as business is being conducted, as as uh, Bill Belichick would say. You know, we do business as business is being done. And, you know, these players are going to have to learn to adapt to this because at any level you're going to find all kinds of different philosophies and types of officiating, whether it be overseas or in the association, uh, the G League, you know, whatever have you. You're going to find, you know, inequalities. There's going to be differences in philosophies of officiating, and you're going to have to deal with it. You're going to have to roll with the punches. And I'm not I'm not going to blame the officials. I thought, in fact, after watching it a second time last night, I felt like the game was officiated pretty well. I, you know, I didn't think it was all that all that bad. Um, there was a, a foul called on Umar that I thought was was really really poor. Um, there was several occasions where Houston was just pushing Wildcat players in the back, going for a rebound. Like I mean, just literally just shoving them out of the way. And we're able to corral the rebound that wasn't called. Okay, look, those kinds of things, those are frustrating for sure. But you know, if it happens to you twice and you don't retaliate, meaning you don't serve it to them on the other end, then you're the one being taken advantage of. It's no longer on the officials. You're the one that's at fault now because you have every reason to go ahead and do it. You know, do it right back at them, because if if they're letting it go then that means that you get the green light as well. And Arizona didn't respond that way, or at least one of the players didn't respond that way. And, I, you know, I feel like you, you can you can complain about officiating all you want, but after a couple times, you know, it's like you know watching a, a pitcher complain about balls and strikes. You know, how many times do you have to miss the corner on the inside part of the plate that the umpire hasn't called all game before you decide to stop going there? You know what I mean? Like, if he's not going to call it, then stop trying to get the trying to stop trying to get him to call it. He's not going to call it. Same way in basketball. Last night they were letting the guys kind of fend for themselves under the glass. There were certain you can't hold a player. Obviously, you know, you, they don't they don't allow any of that. They don't allow that in any conference at any level. You cannot hold a player. You just period. You can't tie him up. Um, that's going to get called every single time. But if a player. Was to shove somebody in the back, which is a foul every time. However, if, if, if officiating is going to let it go, then you have to retaliate with that. You have to roll with the punches. You've got to do business as business is being done. And uh, not saying that Arizona didn't do that, because I, like I said earlier, I thought Arizona did a fine job on the glass last night. But uh, I felt like Houston was more prepared for the style of game that was being played than Arizona was. And that's not, that's not on the coaches. You know, i'm not i'm not blaming the coaches for that at all I, I saw one one person online uh say that that the game plan was was terrible uh, i mean let's what's your game plan pal like let's see your game plan what was it what <laughs> we you make more threes convert more dunks more alley oops is that is that your is that your game plan make more shots score more points congratulations that's everybody's game plan <laughs> a little more difficult than that buddy Oh, the game plan was terrible. What do you know about game plans? All right, we're going to take a timeout. When I return, we will, uh, we will talk about the NBA because Phoenix Suns did themselves a, uh, a huge favor last night and hung a 140 burger on the Nuggets. We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show.
0: The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson now back to the Jeff Dean show on 1490
1: a.m 1049 FM ESPN Tucson welcome back to the Jeff Dean show here on ESPN Tucson we we'll talk some Association now in the NBA as the Phoenix Suns last night were in Denver after a uh, on the on the second leg of a back-to-back where they traveled from Minnesota to Denver after a, a really uh Uh, you know, aggressive type of game that they played against Minnesota. We talked about it yesterday. Uh, Minnesota was trying to take them out, like physically take them out. They tried to take out Devin Booker. They tried to take out Jay Crowder. They tried to take – I mean, they were trying to take them out. They were playing physical. They were throwing elbows. They were throwing arms, hands, fists, everything. Uh, Big physical, emotional game. Suns had to come back and uh, hang 42 in in the fourth quarter to be able to secure that victory. Then they had to fly overnight to Denver to play in the altitude. And they got their point guard back, which, you know, and he's back, what is this, two weeks early, two and a half weeks earlier than even the earliest expected timetable return, as Chris Paul made his appearance on the floor last night, starting last night for the Phoenix Suns. So five weeks into a, an eight-week recovery program, essentially, uh, he started a game against a Western Conference playoff team in Denver. And the Phoenix Suns, they couldn't stop scoring. It was like, it was like, my God, you know, you're kind of like. I mean, I wasn't watching the game closely because obviously I was watching college, but it was like every time I turned around, I was like, somebody stopped the score. Nobody's stopping anyone from scoring in this game. The Phoenix Suns shot sixty percent from the field last night. They took eighty six shots in the game. Like nobody, defense was completely optional. Devin Booker 49 points, 4 boards, 10 assists, 3 steals, had a block shot in the game. Like it was it w- it was it was insane. Deandre Ayton had 16 points and 7 rebounds, Mikkel Bridges had 22 points and Chris Paul came back 17 points, 13 assists. Looking like the the point god, the CP3 that we all know. Uh, but it was really uh you know, it was really you know a situation where they didn't let Jokic just completely have his way with them. You know, he had a good game, 28, 6, and 6. Uh, but you know, this is a game that, that Joker usually has like a thirty-five point triple double in the game. Uh, and they, they kind of limited his his other numbers that way. Um, I thought defensively they were they were good. So uh, you know, giving up 130 points, but specifically on Jokic to keep him from from taking over the game in a situation where they could have allowed something like that to happen. Now, in doing that win, in winning that game last night, the Phoenix Suns moved to a record of sixty and fourteen. Their sixtieth win of the season, and they secured home court advantage throughout the playoffs. As they were able to now, with nine games remaining, or eight, eight games, sorry, eight games remaining uh, on their schedule, have a nine and a half game lead over the Grizzlies. And now the the West is done. Like essentially, for the Phoenix Suns. It's over. They have secured the top seed in the NBA playoffs. Uh, they have secured the top seed. And, and when I say NBA playoffs, I don't mean just the Western Conference. The Suns will have home court advantage when they play in the NBA finals. So that is also hugely important as well because, uh, as you you know, as you look at it, the Miami Heat have 47 wins, so they're 13 games behind the Suns. Um, so, you know, they they would be behind – Memphis and Golden State right now if if they were to win. So the uh, the Phoenix Suns securing home court advantage throughout it's huge for them obviously, you know, for for many reasons. You know, I I talked about this on 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 a few occasions. You know, I have I have done extensive research. I mean, this is my own research that I have done and that I have conducted that's been corroborated by other researchers that have done the same thing. And That's that, you know, I I did an entire comprehensive look. This was like three years ago I did this. I apparently had plenty of time on my hands back then. And I said, I'm going to look at the last 25 years in the four major sports. I'm going to look at every team's home and away winning percentages. And just to find out which league has the best home field advantage, home court advantage, if you will, which league has the worst, which teams you know have have the best you know overall winning percentages at home and away and all that kind of stuff and it was really interesting to me that basketball the nba was number 1 in home court advantage and i still think and i and i you know you 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 think about these things you talk to other people you're like what do you think makes the nba so you know so difficult or basketball such a home court advantage game because you know, it's standardized, like like our the you know the other sports outside of baseball. It's standardized, uh, and and football has different turfs, obviously, uh, and they play out in the weather, which is that can be a, a changer as well. But in basketball, the, the you know the rims are all ten feet high, the court is ninety four feet long, it's the same width, you know the distances from the you know the three point line are all the same. I mean, I mean it's it's all uniform, and I still it still comes down to fans, <laughs> the the the. The one thing that I gathered from the uh, uh, from the study was that throughout, when you look at home field advantage, and this wasn't just in the leagues, this is the individual teams within the leagues as well. Teams with the highest average attendance also have the highest home field advantages, the best winning percentages at home. And interestingly enough, basketball offers the highest home winning percentage of all the four major sports. And I tend to believe it's because... The fans. You're so close to the fans. The fans are on top of you in the NBA. They're sitting right there on the court. Players interact with the fans all the time. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's they're talking to them. They're jawing at them and stuff. The fans are right there. And I, I've said this. I'll say it until I, I'll, I'll take it all the way to the end with me. Fans determine outcomes of games. Period. It... it, it it has been quantified in numbers, and I believe it is absolutely true. Fans determine outcomes of games. It doesn't happen all the time, but over, over time, the averages play out. If you have great fan interaction, you have great fan support in your home field or your home court, you are going to end up winning more games than other teams that don't have that type of support. It has proven itself time and time again, which is why I think it is so incredibly important for the Phoenix Suns to have home court advantage in the uh, in the playoffs and specifically in the NBA Finals, it's going to be huge. It's going to pay dividends for them uh, down the road. I know it didn't; they, they ended up losing last year. I get it. Sometimes it's an outlier. Uh, sometimes you get a Giannis Antetokounmpo who is going to average forty points a game in the final three games of the series, and that's just the way it goes. Sorry, the guy was an unstoppable animal. In the uh, in the final three games of that uh, of that final series, nobody was going to beat the Milwaukee Bucks with the way that he was playing. Period. End of story. the The ninety six Bulls would not have beaten them. It just it just wasn't going to happen. So, um, the you know the the thought that uh, that home court doesn't doesn't matter it it absolutely does. It you know where you know where it doesn't matter. Ironically, is baseball, which has the most has the highest propensity for home field advantage because the home team gets last at bat. You get a last chance to tie or win the game, all always, <laughs> which you would think that baseball would be the overwhelmingly favorite, overwhelming favorite for home field advantage. It's actually dead last because fan interaction, right? Fans aren't all that loud at baseball games. Sure, in a few stadiums they are, but for 162 games or 81 home games, they're not like that. In the postseason, sure, things play out that way. But uh, in the regular season, not so much. All right going to take a timeout. When we return, we'll do some NFL news and notes, some things happening in the league that uh, we, should, uh, we should be discussing, and uh, maybe a little bit of a look at the AFC power rankings, how they've been adjusted now that the Miami Dolphins have made some moves on offense. We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show.
0: The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson.
1: You know, it's easy to pick what teams are going to be at the bottom of the AFC. Like, that's, that's the easy part. Okay, just put Houston in at 16th uh, in, in the AFC. Put Houston and Jacksonville. Just put them right there at the bottom. Along with the Jets, so you've got you, you your three worst teams. No one will argue those three teams. I think the Jaguars could be in 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 some good shape to win some games. They just, you know, it's going to be a lot of new pieces working together with a new coach and all that kind of stuff. It's going to take them some time, but I, I think they've they've finally got some some talent that they can work with and they can work around Trevor Lawrence with uh, with Doug Peterson. But those three teams are going to be the three worst teams without question in the in the afc i think the next tier of teams moving up from there you know pittsburgh probably not going to win uh the afc north you could probably slot them as the fourth best team although they always surprise every year they surprised me last year they'll probably surprise us this year but looking at the competition i think they're you know without ben without juju uh and some of the other players that that, that have lost this off season uh, there's, there's a good chance that they're going to be the fourth-place team in the AFC North, which would put them in the bottom portion of the AFC. Now, where do the rest of the teams slate in there? Because then you've got loadedly you know, talent, you know, talent teams, except for the Patriots. Patriots aren't really loaded with talent, but you can never count them out. It's the Patriots. It's Belichick. Uh, you, you can never count them out. So maybe we'll put them kind of in that tweener between teams that don't have a chance to win their division and then everybody else. Then you start looking at the teams that have really upgraded this offseason. You've got the Dolphins, the Browns, the Raiders, the Colts, uh, the 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 Broncos, the Chargers, uh, the Bengals have upgraded. The the Chiefs have gone in a different direction. You know, they they moved off of Tyreek Hill and they got they don't have Tyron Matthew anymore. But what they do have is quite possibly the best, uh, if you know, if, if the second best, if not the best, offensive line in the conference, um, and the Bills, I, I they didn't really need to upgrade a whole lot, but I think they did. I think they did make themselves better. So, if you're looking at who are the best teams in the AFC, I mean, because it's it's difficult to 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 figure that out, it really is. I think if you look at the AFC West, you've got four. Really good football teams there. It is the best conference in football. or The best division in football is the best conference in football, too. But the best division in football, you got the Chiefs, Chargers, the Broncos, and the Raiders. And I think they finish in that order. Chiefs, Chargers, Broncos, Raiders. If I were guessing, if I were betting today to, to bet the, the AFC West, that's how I'd bet them top to bottom. The North is confounding, to say the least. You've got the defending AFC champs in Cincinnati. Can they hold up? Can they redo what they did last year now that they have a target on their back? Cleveland Browns have certainly upgraded at the quarterback position. Will he be available to play? There was another criminal suit filed from a different county. Um, the other day 2 days ago a new criminal suit uh, there were, there were nine that were dismissed this is a 10th one from a different county saying that he did something to an, uh, a massage therapist there in that county so this is new you know what will the NFL do as far as suspensions from the civil suit how you know how many games is is Deshaun Watson going to play in a Cleveland Browns uniform this season you get the Baltimore Ravens who were forgotten about last season because They didn't have any starters left at the end of the year. Like, their entire team was hurt. So the Ravens, who are one of the more buttoned-up franchises in the league, are ever so present and ever dangerous with that quarterback, Uh, and and they could could be a difference maker. I can't figure out the North. That's the one division I'm really just like, I don't know. (laughs) There's, There's way too many questions. The South, I think I got it figured out. I think Indy's the best team in the South, followed by Tennessee, and then you got Jacksonville and Houston, right? But what are the what are the you know what's the AFC East going to look like? Is is New England still better than Miami? Did Miami do enough this offseason with an upgrade, uh, at least on offense? I I, I like Brian Flores as a head coach. Don't, don't make any you know make no mistakes about that. I think he's a, I think he's an excellent head coach. His focus was to build the defense. Mike McDaniel comes in after being in the uh, the Kyle Shanahan uh, system for several years. We all know what that can do. He's come in and said. I need more speed on offense. I got Jalen Waddle. I'm going to add Chase Edmonds. I'm going to add Raheem Mostert in the back cor- in the backfield, and I'm going to go ahead and go make this trade for Tyreek Hill and use him use his speed while he's still got it. Right? They've got speed upon speed on offense. Now they're going to be a problem to contend with for teams in that division. Buffalo's still the class of that division. I think Buffalo's still the class of the conference. To be honest with you, if I were making a a, a power ranking. Right now, and that's what I'm doing, the Buffalo Bills would be number one in the AFC, followed by Kansas City, then followed by. (sighs) This is where it gets tough. (laughs) Like, it would be Buffalo, KC, and then I think I'm going to put the Chargers second or the Chargers third because of what they upgraded on the defense. It's going to take. Uh, a real, real good game plan or just a complete breakdown on the defensive side of the ball to be able to throw the ball against the Chargers this year. Like, that's going to be a no-fly zone. Trying to throw against that secondary, if it's healthy, is going to be damn near impossible. Speaking of great secondaries, oh, by the way, the Denver Broncos are also sitting there. I don't know if I'd put them fourth. I still need to see what Russell Wilson can do with a talented team because over the last couple of years – uh, Russell has not hes not been himself. He's not been a very good quarterback, to be honest with you. So then I'm going to put like a team maybe like Indianapolis in the in the five spot there and then follow it up with maybe Tennessee in the six spot. Or maybe I move Cincinnati up in there. Again, question marks about all these teams. But we know who the top ten are, right? We, we got a real good idea who the top ten are, and I have a pretty firm grasp on, on who the top three are. After that, though, like four through ten, Coin flip. Now, which of those teams didn't make the playoffs? Because we know every year half the teams that didn't make the playoffs will make the playoffs the following season. Los Angeles Chargers didn't make the playoffs, probably going to be a playoff team this year, right? Denver Broncos, going to be a playoff team this year, most likely. Uh, Do the Cleveland Browns, do they break through once Deshaun Watson gets on campus? Do the Baltimore Ravens come through? Okay? These are all questions that are going to be answered but this offseason has been insane and the AFC has just feasted on on not only on some of the NFC teams, but they've feasted on themselves, on each other. And there is a wealth of talent, uh, and a lot of speed in that conference. And the NFC is sitting there looking like, Okay, well, we got the Rams and we got the Buccaneers, and after that it's like, mm. Green Bay, I I don't know, man. <laughs> I you know, say what you will about the Devontae Adams loss and all this other stuff. They lost some guys on defense. So they're going to be struggling to to, to compete next year uh, for for the for the title. Not not compete. They got Aaron Rodgers. They're going to compete just fine. But to compete for an NFC Championship, even to compete for an NFC North Division title, is going to be tough for them. That's a, that's a better division today than it was yesterday for sure. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When I return, I'll put a big, bright red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. That's next right here on ESPN Tucson. The
0: Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson.
1: Welcome back. Final segment, today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Looking ahead to tonight's games in the, uh, the remainder of the Sweet 16, forgive me if I'm not excited about the rest of the tournament. I just, I still, you know, last night wasn't a gut punch because it's not like Arizona lost 73-72 to 72 on a last-second shot. I mean, that would be agonizing. Uh, it's just, you know, you, you lose and you're disappointed. You have you have expectations, and, uh, you know, I felt like uh, I had a good beat on this team. I wasn't thrilled about playing Houston, I can tell you that much. Um, but. But, uh, it, you know, it is what it is. You, you you draw who you draw and you just play the best you can. Unfortunately for Arizona, they uh, they got sent home. The rest of the way, though, uh, tonight you can listen to all the madness right here on ESPN Tucson as we are your home for March Madness here in Tucson. And it starts off at 4 o'clock. Just after 4 o'clock, the game will tip off uh, as Purdue takes on St. Peter's. And, uh, look, I think Cinderella's time is over St. Peter's is going to meet their match tonight. Uh, Purdue is an absolute offensive juggernaut. They've got slashers, they've got scores, they've got bigs. They are efficient. They run. They've got incredible athletes. They're pretty deep on the bench as well. They got you know they go eight or nine deep. Uh, two of them are actually really really good players, including Zach Eady, who often will come off the bench as well. So I think clock strikes midnight early. Uh, for St. Peter's. It's been a fun run for them, but never has a uh, 15-seed advance to the Elite Eight, and it ain't going to happen this year. Uh, After that, the game that tips off at about 4.30 our time is going to be the final number one seed, Kansas. The only one seed remaining, they're going to be taking on Providence, and look, Providence has been playing really good basketball, and Ochai Obagi has not been great in this tournament. I mean, as, as uh, you know many of the accolades as he's been garnered to you know to be a favorite for not only Big Twelve Player of the Year but also he's up for the Naismith Award. He's not been good so far in this tournament. I think that turns around. Much like Paolo Bancaro yesterday had himself quite a game, as I predicted he would. Uh, I think that that uh, Obagi has himself a game tonight against Providence, and I think Kansas sends Providence home. In the late games, the the uh, the six thirty tip off or six forty, I guess I should say, the Powder Blues are going to be taking on one another. The Powder Blue Bloods, as I've been calling them, it's North Carolina versus UCLA. Not exactly sure if Jaime Hawkes is going to play. Mick Cronin says if Jaime can walk, then he will play. I think he's you know he's absolutely right about that. Jaime's a tough kid, and uh, you know if if he can walk, he will play. Although I don't know how effective he will be. Johnny Juzang you know, needs to get out of his own head or whatever's going on there. He's he's not shooting the ball well, he's not scoring well, he's lulling on defense. Um and UCLA seems to be a little, a little soft inside. I mean we we knew that they were, we knew that uh you know, we knew that Cody Riley was soft inside. They just you know, Miles Johnson is is a is a head case, he can't figure things out. Um so there's some problems down low. I think Carolina takes advantage of that. I think Carolina advances as an eight seed tonight. I think they beat UCLA. Uh, and wouldn't it be just like? Wouldn't it be just like the ACC who we clowned on all year to advance two teams to the Elite Eight when you know everybody else had been uh, had been eliminated? Uh, wouldn't it be just like them to advance two teams? And it would be even more like them to advance three teams to the Elite Eight because Duke's already punched their ticket. I think North Carolina wins tonight, and then you've got the rock fight between Iowa State and Miami that's going to happen tonight. Uh, and I think Jim Laranaga's team wins that game. I, I think I think Miami's the the better team, although as I mentioned, you know earlier this week, their propensity for implosion is ever present. I've seen that team down thirty at a halftime before. Like they just there's times where they and they, they had they were down forty one to twelve in a game in the ACC this year at halftime 12 like giving up 41 is enough scoring 12 they have that prep- it's it's always present for Jim Laranaga's teams hopefully that doesn't happen tonight against a team who just prefers not to even shoot the ball in Iowa State that's going to be a fun one that should be like a 41-39 final bet the under but uh It would be just like the ACC. We've been doubting them all year and saying there's only two good teams in the ACC to advance three teams in the Elite Eight. Go figure. Wacky season. All right, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Jeff Dean Show and this week's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thanks to Mary back in the studio for all her hard work and keeping us on the air. And, of course, thanks to you guys for tuning in here and sharing your opinions and such with me on Twitter. You guys have a great rest of your weekend, and we'll see you on Monday at 7 a.m. for the next edition of the Jeff Dean Show, right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson.
0: Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back Monday morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson.